What's good, world? This is King Arthur, and this is not my brother's keepers podcast, a true crime podcast about black dudes who kill. And today I have another guest. Now, will you please introduce yourself to the people? Yes. Hello. I am Jaden Harlow, host and writer of the Missing Found podcast. Glad to have you here again. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, um, how did you get into uh to writing and, and about true crime? And is writing something you used to did you like to do or is it something you fell into? So I've always been a writer. Um I've been I've always been a great storyteller. And so that was a strong point for me for many years. Um now specifically in the true crime sector, I started writing in twenty twenty two. Okay. Um, I knew that, you know, there I've watched plenty of true crime shows, as I'm sure you have, and most, you know, influencers and content creators in this sector have. And I, I saw that there was a lack. Uh, it was a disconnect of cases that are of missing individuals who are Black. Of course. And uh, Yeah. So that's what really pushed me into writing specifically about true crime. I figured, you know, I'm great at storytelling. I'm great at writing. Let's do something with this. I wanted to impact the community to, you know, spread light and highlight the fact that we're just not receiving ample coverage. Um, I wanted to cover specifically missing people because murder cases, I just didn't want to go that route. It's, I'm not going to say it's too final, but it, it is final because we know the result of what happened to that person that, you know, they were murdered, killed, whatever. But with missing people, you know, there's some mystery and mystique to that. We don't know where to turn. And so that prompted me into investigating though. And when I say investigating just from, you know, just a regular standpoint outside of law enforcement, just me looking into the case and seeing where there's holes, kind of connect what has been publicly shared and then putting that together and telling the story of that person from who they are, who they were. Um, and I say were past tense because who they were is not who they are today because we don't know what became of them. So I wanted to, you know, really follow that and tell the story of them starting up until the time, you know, those events where they came from, those events that led up into them being missing and then where we stand today with the case. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, I mean, we need, we need more, we need more, um, we need more, not necessarily more podcasts, but we need more black, black people period being talked about, about missing because we're, we're the ones that are getting looked past. Like, of course, when we're missing, they're saying, Oh, did they run away? Were they having trouble at home? Were they on drugs? It's never like, no, they got snatched up and missing. It's why does it have to be, one of these options before you go looking for my right. Side. right right exactly and i wanted to just hone into that because we you know people go missing you know let's not just act like it doesn't exist yes people do leave and start lives over yes but that isn't a rare case especially when family they know you know their family member they know what is normal activity and what is not so yeah. that's what we have to go off of. We look at what has been publicly shared and then piece that together, you know, and then I have to put it into a story and, you know, do the research, scour, you know, articles and 
uh, archives and watch interviews and police reports and maps and everything. And to put it all together to see what could have happened, what events led up to that and where we stand today, uh, where we stand today and the possibilities thereafter. Oh yeah, you on timing because um when you were talking about the maps, like when you talked about that um I can't think of the little boy name again, but when you talked about his case, when you were talking about how it looked, you was like, well there was a there was a um a telephone booth there when he went missing, yes. but now we don't mm -hmm. use telephone booths, so it could be anything, a bus stop or yeah, yeah. So we have to know how it looked then, so we can know what to look for now. Right, and and that's a a very important thing because things change, like. You know, it, it, it changed things change, streets change. Um, like you gave the example of the phone booth, like that changed bus stops, all of that changes. And if you're a person that's I guess you can say inexperienced and you're looking at the case from today, if a case happened twenty years ago, there are things that change. I actually covered a case. Um, it was one of my oldest cases. It was a Phyllis Rome, and that mm -hmm. was in Clarksdale, Mississippi. And her home is no longer there. Her home is 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 uh it's just vacant, just a vacant plot of land today. And it See? wasn't that, of course, when she lived there. So I made sure to highlight that to show that, you know, this house is here. I don't believe that has anything to do with um the investigation or evidence or anything like that. But, you know, because of the span of time uh from when it was demolished to when she went missing, I, I don't think it has anything to do with the other. But just to show that things change, you know? So I, oh, yeah. that's very important to highlight. Oh, yeah. And um, so that's basically the ultimate goal, right? You're getting that word out there about more missing Black, right? Yeah. I mean, and to share cases that many of my viewers otherwise would not have ever heard of. Because yeah, these I cases never heard just, of any of your just... stories. I mean, not none of your stories. I never heard of any of those people. See, and and that's that's what I really want to delve into because these oh, cases yeah. are just not getting covered, and I cover specifically unsolved and cold cases. Oh yeah, I cover okay. cold because a lot of them they're they're just forgotten. And truthfully, the the one of the main goals is I just don't want these people to be forgotten. Yes, a lot of families sometimes they just give up or they think no one cares, and they're just kind of left hanging. And, you know, I will put myself in that situation. You know, I will want, of course, indecency, you know, de to depending on the, who the podcast or the host is to cover my loved one's case. Because oh, yeah. I don't want them to be forgotten. And, you know, I want to make sure, you know, when I analyze every case element, I offer perspective, make sure, you know, I use critical thinking and break down all of the public facts you know, I'm not, I tell my viewers all the time, I'm not law enforcement. I'm not a PI, <laughs> but I do know how to work a case from my angle oh, yeah. and to put it all together to tell the story. You know, everything has to be questioned, even oh. small elements that one may deem unimportant. It should be looked at. And I think that's what I capture the most, you know, are those small details that no one thinks about and to kind of put them together because they could mean something or they could mean all of nothing, but oh, it yeah. is something to mention. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and then one last thing though, you know, through podcasting, it gives me the door to 
that door to open up to allow viewers, just regular, you know, citizens to hear a case, share it and kind of be invited in to help in some way and watch the process or listen to the process of me conducting an analysis. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because I don't even remember. I, I can't remember. I found, I found the podcast first or I found mm-hmm. the article, but one led me to the other. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. One definitely led me to the other. And, um, uh, yeah. Um, like, so when you talk about like family would want to be like, you want to be like, kind of sensitive to the family have any of these people that you um covered have you ever like been in contact with any of the family no actually no i don't reach out to family prior to covering their loved ones case and i have my reasons um mm-hmm. for doing that but i and I've, I've seen family members comment under my videos and you know it has been nothing but positive you know positivity because i want families to feel comfortable with me And I understand if I was in their shoes, I know I would have a great deal of anxiety seeing my loved one's name across on YouTube or any other platform of their missing person, because I don't know what they're going to say. And uh, some, and let's just be honest, families sometimes don't want certain things to get out. Exactly. And, And my goal is to not, um, discuss their, their loved one, you know, in with malice or anything. No, the goal is to find, you know, find out what ha- what happened and share their story. But families can always feel comfortable with me. I give people grace, and I know that we're looking, we're spectating it from a different angle. It's yeah. different from when you're actually in it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Versus you analyzing it after it's already been done. A lot of people point fingers and make accusations. I don't do that because I'm, like I said, I don't have every fact because I'm not in law enforcement and I know I have access to those details, but, um, by request, but I'm not here to bash anyone. I'm just going to tell, you know, tell, tell the case details and break down the case details. And then we go from there and I do offer my opinion, but no, I don't, I make sure, um, you know, I respect the family and respect the victim, whether they're a victim or not. You know, I, I do, I take that very serious. And even comments that I've seen under videos where viewers are, you know, making accusations, I can't catch all of the, you know, comments, but some just completely left and disrespectful. So I do try to remove those, you know, if I can. Yes. Um, and see the crazy part about, um, that, like I've, man, I've ran into like, I was trying to explain to another podcaster that, um, when people say mine, my, my, um, that my story was wrong, it's mm-hmm. never been like a random commenter. It's been their mm-hmm. family. Mm, okay. I've been read a whole, I got the whole arrest report. I tell the story. I do this, that, and the other. And then mm-hmm. I'd be like, Hey, this one lady, her name was, uh, I can't think of her name, but her son is Jante Collier. And, her, and his boyfriend was Eric Dobbs. They killed okay. that white boy out there in Atlanta. I mean, in, in Roswell, Georgia. And I mm. told his mother, if you thought mm. him being half white was going to save him after he shot that white man with three other black guys, I said, you crazy. Mm. They gave oh, yeah. him money. And then he wouldn't yeah. even tell him who did it. And I told him, lady, I don't know how you raised him, but if you raised him thinking he's going to get that privilege um, being light-skinned but wearing an afro, I said, that wasn't going to work. No. <laughs> no. no. He is still, dog. No. 
he is still black. He had yeah. all black features. Right. He just like and- had a curly afro. Mm, I and have to look. I have to watch that case or, or listen to that case from you. Yeah, man, his mother, dog, his mother was on my TikTok for like two months. They finally just blocked me, but I'm like, lady, this is you. I'm telling you what happened. I'm telling you what's red. And she gave me every scenario in the world on why um I was wrong. Mentioned. They asked her to take the stand. She wouldn't do it. If they asked me to take the stand for my oh. son, jumping on the stand. Absolutely. See, and instead of reaching out to you as the host, you know, telling the story, that should have went to law enforcement. And I don't know what kind of details she thought I had. Lady, I went ahead and like, I asked for paperwork. I went and got what I needed because of things like this. Now, four families have reached out to me for different things. Her, of course, she said I was wrong. This other lady, her name is, uh, I can't think of her name, her son name mm-hmm. is um, Kamaria Meekum. I told her flat out, your son got yeah, railroaded. I, I remember that episode from you. Actually, that was one of my episodes. When you had reached out, that is one. That was my, one of my first one. That was my first one that I listened to from you. You know, she had never seen the appeal until I gave it to her. Now, why is that? All they told her, hey, your son's appeal got denied. But I had one. And I sent it to her. Wow. The son said that he had in, insufficient... um counseling which i think he did because they mm-hmm. told his mother don't go to the media because it'll turn to a race war and you asked me maybe it should have been a race war because he should have not been over there with um this judge's um the judge knew the victim's family why is he mm-hmm. the proceeding judge that should have got a change of venue right off the rip wow okay yeah and and she she didn't see it that's odd she had never seen the appeal she said her lawyer was horrible and everything and i said well i sent i sent her the appeal we talked for about uh 30 minutes she told me how how it was going and she was telling me like did i know any lawyers and stuff like that And i'm like i just told her like i don't really know no lawyers or whatever mm-hmm. but i would definitely be finding one." Oh yeah absolutely if that's her first crazy. and i feel like if she, they would have made an uproar about it mm-hmm. it would have been a different deal because he showed up to her house and they paying yeah. this guy out to be uh, a saint whole time oh i look she sent me the video i told Ooh. her flat out this dude's a gang member yeah oh so a couple of families i've talked to this the, the one lady um i had talked about her cousin and she was like mm-hmm. well his daughter is now a lawyer and he's gonna try to get her out of get, get him out of jail and i'm like how's she gonna get him out of jail when he cut up his girlfriend to 30 pieces then he barbecued her for two days and three of his family members oh started God. following me right off the rip. I told him, wow. if I don't like the story, don't read it. But this is coming straight off um, court documents. This is what happened. Yeah. Yeah, people don't like the truth. They don't, they don't want you to lie. No, they, they don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't. And and it, it's always good to have, like, my my approach is never to make it entertainment because I know that this is real life, you know, and a lot of people don't understand that with true crime that, you know, some watch it just for mere entertainment and just to pass time by. And I actually uh, discussed this. I had did an essay um, and I recorded it and read it. And it was about the glamorization of true crime. I listened to it last night. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it was 10 minutes. It, 
Yeah, some some people didn't appreciate that, but it's the truth. You were telling the truth. Yeah, it, it's the truth, and some no, people you know what? just I'm a realist, consume though. it. I can deal mm-hmm. with anything if it's real. I can't deal with nothing fake. That's why, I like, um, yeah, um, like, okay, we was in Cancun. Like I told you, it was only a handful of black people. We ran into a couple of mm-hmm. gay guys. We took mm-hmm. shots and everything and kicked it with them dudes the whole time. Was, I, I, I kicked up with the black people. Them two mm-hmm. gay, they had a friend and uh, me and my wife and some mo- a couple more black people. No, that's mm-hmm. something that bothers me. What bothers me is when you tell me you're not gay and you do gay stuff. God, you could have just said you was gay. <laughs> That's the problem. People, yeah. dog, it's only a problem when you're trying to hide something. Dog, I had no right. issues. We took plenty of shots. They took all kind of pictures. Man, look, that's the one right. bothering me. We on vacation. Right. So, and, and you know, enjoy yourself. But, you know, it's it, like, you don't follow me back? I gave him my Instagram. He followed me. I followed him back. There's nothing I can do about that. Right. Just, you know, just cool conversation. and That's it. You know, Yeah. Drinking and eating, that's all we, man, look, I, that's right. the but you gotta be real. Oh, yeah, and especially in this um, sector, you do have to be real. I mean, of course, respectful, but you do have to be real about it, but I know a lot of people, um, well, I'm not gonna say a lot of people, some people understood, you know, they, they're like, okay, yeah, you know, I do, I've gotten a few emails, okay, yeah, I do consume it for entertainment and then some people understood they they completely understand that wow like this this is real life when you sit back and really watch or listen to these stories they are of an actual human this can happen to any of us and i let people know that this can happen to me or you or, or anyone you know nothing makes you exempt because this person is missing we don't know we know the circumstance you, you know depending on how much information is out there on them but we are all at risk for this to happen. Just like with death, we're all guaranteed yeah. death. And oh, yeah. anything can happen to us. Any Anyone can go missing. So, you know, that's just the real of it. And some people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear, oh no, I'm just watching, you know, to, to for entertainment and in the comments that I've seen um, from people on other videos. Oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm at work trying to pass time or, Oh, you know, we're just um, we're just eating some popcorn or whatever, and what? No, this is real life. When you listen to it, I mean, if you want to consume it for entertainment, okay, that's that's up to you. I can't change that. That's that's on you. But I want people to understand that these are real stories. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Family is really hurting right now. Um, of, of someone who's missing, we don't know where they are, and that's a problem for entertainment. But mm-hmm. as I'm listening. You know, these phones, they know what you're listening to. So once I type in, like, the first yeah. time, it's going to bring up that article. I always look up what I listen to. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, man, what the hell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, what would you think was your most memorable story? My most memorable story? I would have to say the case on missing Alexis Patterson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that's my most memorable case, and you know, a, a lot of my cases stick with me. Some of these cases I've heard over a decade ago, and I'm just covering them because you know I, I just started my podcast. It's been what about a year now, and I think, um, and you know, but her case is the most memorable. So Alexis Patterson, I'm not sure if you read or heard about that case 
that I yeah. covered, but she was seven years old at the time. She went missing in 20, uh, 2002. She was walking on her way to school, accompanied by her stepfather, Laurent Bourgeois. And he's deceased now. Um, but her mom, Ayana, she's been major in you know trying to find out what happened to Alexis. Her case is memorable for many reasons because she she went to she was walking to school with an adult, her stepfather, and she somehow never made it into the school. So we left a very small window of opportunity that has been pub- shared publicly because you know sometimes things are just not you know communicated. Well, he but walked her right. He walked her to school, but here's the thing: she he didn't walk her into the school, like on school grounds. I I have to make that clear for people. And I've made that clear in my analysis, but he did not walk her into the building or on school grounds. He walked her to the corner, which was typical um, because she would usually walk to school by herself. And sometimes her uh, stepfather, well, sometimes her mom would walk with her, but um, she would, she, he walked her for that on that day. He walked her to the um, end of the block. Then the crossing guard was in the middle and she uh, was supposed to be crossed over. Of course, there's many other vehicles out you there with parents dropping off. There, you're literally like 100 meters from the school. Yes, but this is the thing. We don't know. It has never been pub- uh, shared publicly if the crossing guard crossed Alexis over. That's one of the holes in the case. And I believe that right there will settle a lot, answer a lot of questions. You and see, that type of small detail right there makes a good story. Exactly. That's what, right. That's exactly what I stated. And we don't know. She, there, her public, you know, her response to that has never been made public. I'm sure she was interviewed by law enforcement because, I mean, she is a vital part of the investigation. Yeah. Because she was crossing, you know, of course, she's a crossing guard. There were several children walking to school um, in that area. Then there also were several children that were dropped off by their parents or guardians. And we don't know that one element. And so her case is so, is convoluted because we, we really don't know if he walked her to school. Yes. uh, You know, that's what has been stated. He even stated in his interviews that he did walk her to school. Her mom was home. It's just that it would have left a very small window. There are several other things that happened up until the date Alexis was, um, or I don't know if she was abducted. Something happened. She's she's not. She's missing. And there was. It was said that a red truck was in the vicinity of the school, just parked, and they never dropped off any children or picked anyone up. So that stuck out to me. So it seems like whoever, you know, this person or these people were, they were casing the area. Um, I know that there was an alley there um, right ac- directly right across from the school. I did show that in my analysis, um, the map, and I also showed the actual alley. So it, it's several things that we just don't know. A lot of people have alluded to, and law enforcement has alluded to, that LeBron being involved because of his history. He has a history of being involved in a bank robbery as the driver. He also um, has history of drug abuse and being a pimp. 
So people have stated that they believe that Alexis's disappearance is tied to that. It, There's, it, that could be true because somebody could be trying to get back at him. Exactly. And it could be a case, which I've also mentioned in the analysis, where he really did walk her to school. And something happened where he had no idea that would happen. Well, when I say walk her to school, walk her to the end of the block. I have to make that clear. Yeah. Now, that night, that day before, she, you know, was set to bring cupcakes to school to share with her class for snack time. But because she didn't do her homework um, that morning, her mom found out and she did not send Alexis to school with her cupcakes. Alexis was upset about it. And LaRon stated, you know, that he tried to calm her down. It's going to be okay. He'll bring those cupcakes up later, um, later in the day. Yeah. He never brought those cupcakes. He made a promise that he didn't fulfill. So that, that stuck out to me. That stuck out to me. That stuck out to me because yes, why would he? Did you bring the cupcakes? Right. He never brought the cupcakes. So, but but this is the thing. If he did bring those cupcakes, if he actually followed through with his promise, he would have known Alexis was never there throughout the day. So that her. would have helped. He would have known much sooner. And then the investigation could have started much sooner. However, um, did, did, was there any records of the schools calling, calling home? Um, they did. No, no, no. My apologies. I don't believe so. Because Hold up, this is 2001, right? This is in 2002. So they didn't have at that. They probably only called at the end of the day. Now they're yeah. calling every period. Yeah, that's right. But that, I, I don't believe, was in place at that time. When mm -hmm. Ayana knew that she didn't, um, make, Alexis didn't make it to school because she didn't walk in her home at the time she usually walks in her home. So that's what that's where she grew concerned. And then Ayana ended up just walking to the school scene where her baby was. And that's when they informed her that Alexis was not at school today. And so that's when things started. So all of that time, I would say about eight or more hours went by with nothing. And so if LaRon went to the school and followed through with his promise, this would have catapulted the search much sooner than he, waiting till the no, end of the day. He, he come back home in a decent time. Like if I walk my son to the bus stop, I should make it back. Like walk to the, like, I, you know, you got the little map on your phone. So yeah. I see the I walk him to the bus stop. I should be down there no more than two minutes. It should take me no more than about three, four minutes to get back. So did he come back in a decent time from the walk he's supposed to be made from the from the edge of the corner, I mean the corner, back home? Or was it like an extended time? Or that'll be no I can't remember that one element in the case in, in my analysis, but I do recall um Ayana stating that he was home most of the day. So, you know, he, he was home. So I don't know, I just think, I don't know what to think about her case because I don't know if he's involved directly or indirectly. He's gone now. And yeah. there's not, you know, law enforcement have made, you know, mentions that they believe he's involved, but they just don't have enough to pin on him. It just, it always stuck out to me. Why didn't he follow through with his promise? Yeah. Why, why didn't he? Because if that was the case, he would have walked into the school. And I gave the scenario. He would have walked into the school, said, you know, I have cupcakes for my daughter, um, stepdaughter, daughter. And, you know, they would have either walked into the classroom or, you know, uh, faculty could have taken the cupcakes and walked it to the cl classroom themselves. 
at that point he would have known, you know, they would have told him Alexis is not here today. And then that could have started things sooner, but he did not. So could that be a thing where he knew Alexis wasn't there or could it be, he just didn't follow through. This was just his thing. He did not follow through. And then my thing is it would have been, and I I believe I did propose this in the analysis. It's an easy giveaway if he was the last one seen with Alexis on record because he was supposedly the one to walk her to the block to be crossed over to go to school. So I would think that he would not be involved with the disappearance because it would automatically fall on him. Mm. But he has always maintained his innocence. So mm. I, I I go through all of that. I break all of it down. It's, you know, it's an interesting case. And then a few years later, many years later, actually, there was a woman who um, was, you know, commu- it was communicated in the media that this woman may be Alexis, her name. I'm not even going to put her name out because she may not even be involved. She may not know, none, know nothing. But her husband at the time, her ex-husband, he believes that his ex-wife is little Alex- missing little Alexis Patterson. And that's the whole other thing and i hate when that stuff happened even like with the bradley sisters i'm like come on man yeah. is, it you, is it you or isn't you like it don't yeah. take off yeah Tell that us, let's run these dnas and let's get it going but i think the bradley sisters. Right. yeah the bradley sisters that's another one i want to see solved and you never went fishing or hunting but all of a sudden you're going fishing and hunting you're in camping. Yeah. Camping. The camping Bro, trip, yeah. When camping, it, one time, we set that tent outside. You know what we did? We went right in that cabin. Come on now. <laughs> you know, that ca- I did a three-part um, analysis on the Missing Bradley Sisters because, you know, the ID Network, they did put out um, a series on the girls. And I'm, I'm very glad they did that to, you know, shed more light and to allow the public in to what has been found. Um, that's another one I really want to see solved. And it's, I have my own opinions on that. And, you know, it's, it's a very, it's another convoluted case. I did it. Oh yeah. I, I can't, I mother, can't. Mother, she had too much stuff going on. She was too involved with, oh boy. And that's what happens to a lot of these um relationships, man. You bring in these guys, they got all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And they more into them than they is the children. And like, things happen. Yeah, I was able to find out a little bit more about their relationship just through you know, just interviews and family recounts and things like that and it seemed very one-sided where George was you know, involved with allegedly, I have to say that, um in- involved with others, other people than just Tracy. And you know, at the time he was married, you know, we can't forget that. So it's it's just it's a it's deep. I believe it's deep. It's always more to the story, and like I always say, until people start talking, you know, that's that's where we stand with it. It's it's just a case full of confusion. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, I already know. What <laughs> um, what do you think about um? reviews and is there any true crime podcaster you would like to sit down with so with reviews 
I don't even read them. When, when you say reviews, are you talking about like comments on YouTube or reviews on just the podcast platform? I'm I'm gonna base mine on like the podcast platform because I mean okay. like you know if you don't get the ratings and reviews, it's hard to get discovered. Yeah. But you can go in there and see that you're getting spins, but like, unlike with Apple, you got to get five minutes before they count it. Mm -hmm. So you can have a thousand people looked and did two right. minutes and, and bounced. Right. So I do read my reviews, you know, every now and then when I have time and they're positive. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, if I were to get negative ones, I, you know, it, I'm, I'm not you know, go ahead, share, share your opinion, but exactly. you know, just share your opinion, but just know that when you're commenting negative, uh, negatively or reviewing negatively, it does impact the overall mission of the podcast. Like it's not even about me. It's about these missing people. Like we got to get them found and we don't receive enough coverage. So that's why we have these podcasts to mm -hmm. do that, to push that forth. And when you make a, a negative review just because if if it's just out of malice, then you have to think, what what are you saying? What what is that doing? You know? And you know, the YouTube comments, those those are another ballgame. I don't even really, you know, read them much. Like I said, I just don't have time to. But oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of <laughs> Odd comments. Like I, I had one. Let turn theirs off. Yeah, like I don't turn them off because I do want people to be involved. Oh yeah. But I've I've received some, <laughs> some that are just completely laughable. Like one where they thought they they stated that I must be a part of the government because of all the information that I know. I mean, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. not part of the feds or the government. I'm a rat bastard like you. <laughs> Like I'm, I just do very good research. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. great at what I do. So you know, I've, I've had those. I've had comments where, you know, why don't you cover other cases? I do. Like, well, I don't, but I, I would. You know, if, you know, we received enough coverage, I have to cover home first. Yeah, I have to cover home. First. Cover stuff that's out there. No, I go find stuff that everybody's not covering. Yeah. Exactly. I'm I'm covering cases that have been forgotten or just haven't received coverage. And those I'm just covering our community because that's exactly. it's the obvious lack. Now, when I say I've I've reviewed other cases, I have. My very first when I got into when I very first heard about true crime or knew anything before I guess it was even called true crime, what really got me in into it was John Bonet's case. Yeah, you know, in Boulder, Colorado, I remember being a little girl seeing her on tabloids. Oh, yeah, and and that was, you know, I I know all about those cases. It's just that I have to cover these the cases, huh? I know the daddy did it. Woo, that's a that's a whole <laughs> rabbit hole. That's a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> we there's not enough time in the world, but. It's not that I'm against covering other cases of race doesn't matter when it comes to missing person. A person, a person, regardless of race, should be covered. And unfortunately, black people don't get that coverage that 
we deserve in the media. So that's why I'm bringing forth these cases. I have to. If if we don't, then who else will? We got to find these people. If if color doesn't matter to you, then why negatively comment or say why am I why am I covering a specific demographic of missing person cases? All missing people matter and all missing people should be found. It's just that I'm focusing on this right now. Yeah, because, because I'm, like we covering stuff that's not being covered. Dateline, mm-hmm. 48 hours, they're not going to go, go find something that's not being covered and bring it to the forefront. Right. Not doing it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and that even brings me to my next point. I've reached out, which is really the a few reasons of why I started the podcast and writing about true crime, because I've reached out to numerous renowned podcasters to cover, you know, that are really popular in the true crime sector to cover missing people, Black missing people. And those requests I've put in years ago and they never covered it. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, hey, maybe they didn't see it or maybe they're just bombarded with cases. I get a whole lot of case requests. And so I'm working down my list. But, you know, they have not covered those cases. And I remember commenting like, you know, um, can you cover this particular person's case? And the creator didn't respond. Understandably, they probably didn't see the comment. No problem. But another person, another viewer had con- uh, uh, commented and said, well, won't you create your own platform? Um, and I said, you know what? Yeah, I will. I will. I will, co- I will create my own platform and talk about Black and missing people, unsolved and cold cases. I definitely will. And that is what helped birth the missing found. Oh, yeah. We got to, man. We got to be our own voice. That's what's good about technology these days. We ain't yeah. gotta we ain't gotta wait on nothing. It's getting easier by the day, matter of fact. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It is. Dateline or 48 hours. Ah, that's a good one. I'm gonna go with neither and say Netflix. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. I yeah. love how Netflix has dedicated series to missing people. Like that victim, they have a like they have series that are dedicated to just that person, and I I appreciate that. Yeah, especially once you start watching stuff, they start critiquing it for you. Yeah, so I choose Netflix. Yeah, that's always a win. Yeah, um, life sentence or death. Oh, that's easy, but I have strong opinions on this one. Okay, I'm going to go. go with life. I'm going to go with life sentence. Okay. I'm absolutely against the death penalty. Um, just a little story about that. So I remember in 2009 or 2010, I had wrote an essay about the death penalty and mm-hmm. why it should be abolished. Okay. I say that because why do we kill people that kill people to show killing is wrong? Now, I can't remember who quoted that, but it really stuck out to me because the death penalty is so final. I would prefer them to have a life sentence to sit in their mess and not take that way out. And, um, you know, does it really solve anything? I mean, they, they, okay, they get injected or whatever the method is and that's it. It does not bring the loved one back. Sadly, it, it does not bring them back. It's just death and it's just sadness all over again. And I just think it's very final because 
there, I can't give you any specific cases, but there has been like, I, I know over the pandemic, it was, there were a few cases where it was a thing where they may not be guilty, but they're up for execution in seven days. So we got to get this petition signed so yeah, they can stop the execution. Yeah. So that's one thing I'm always worried about when, you know, people are on the stand for execution because mm-hmm. it's a chance that th- they, this may not, they may not be involved or, or something. And I, and I would hate for someone's life to be taken again, you know, the victim, my heart goes out to the victim. Yes. But killing that other person, you know, it doesn't really do anything. And then I also think about George Steiny. I don't know if a lot of people have heard of George, but he was actually a 14 year old boy, a 14 year old black boy in South Carolina. He's actually the youngest to ever receive the death penalty. By oh, I know you're talking about. It's the most heartbreaking story ever. And now, what did he exactly do? Because he did something to a white person, right? No, no, no. He never done anything. The thing, well, the thing about it is, oh, so it was a white girl. Um, someone murdered her, and it they okay. So George, George was playing with her. It was a few of them. They were all playing together. This was in 1944, I believe, yeah. and they were all playing. So a lot of people have said they seen George with him. He even participated in the search. It was like a neighborhood thing. They participated with trying to find the um, the young girl who was sadly murdered. And yeah. somehow they law enforcement, you know, took George and threatened the family. Like, if you try to do anything or come for him, you all will be lynched. So the family, you know, they had no options. This was, got to remember, this is a different time than today. And so they took George, they, um, you know, locked him up and they bribed him with ice cream to say, you know, if you say you did it, then we'll give you some ice cream. Remember, this is a 14 year old boy who separated from his family. It, it's, it's, it was confusing for him. He was scared. So he said, you know, he did it. That's what they said. So he had trial, which lasted only a few hours. Then he was sentenced to the death penalty. So they killed that baby. They sat him on the electric chair. He was even so small. He had his Bible in his hand. He he was small for the chair. They had to prop him up and they executed him. So after hearing that story, it broke me. And I've never been a supporter of the death penalty, but... Even that story, just knowing it, and he he was not involved in any way. He was actually exonerated. Um, when was he exonerated? It was many years after, after, um, after his execution, and he was finally exonerated to say that he was not involved because his family fought to make sure that his name was cleared of any involvement. So they wrongfully executed. George Steiny at 14 years old, and he is still the youngest in history to ever receive the death penalty by electric chair. So everyone has their own opinion. You know, I've I've even had people say, well, when I did my essay uh, in uh, 2009 or 2010, well, what if something happened to your family member and, you know, they did something and they should be sentenced to death? Would your opinion change? 
I don't know, but I'm going to say if I were to put myself in that situation with every being of my heart and soul, no, because it's not going to bring them back. It's not going to bring my loved one back. It's it's not going to, to me, it's not going to do anything by seeing this person die. I'd rather having you, I'd rather have you spend the rest of your days in prison and know that that's, that's, that's it. That's your future versus you dying. And that's just my opinion on that. No, that's a good, you got a good opinion. I mean, you make a bunch of valid points too. Yeah. Because I mean, like if killing them right there is final, but if they actually get to suffer and live with their decision, hell, they'll live a hundred years. Yeah. And, and then also like, who are we? Yeah. What they did was, were, you know, was very wrong. Um, if someone were to, if the inmate murdered somebody, raped or whatever their case was, yes, they are very wrong and they, they should suffer for that. But I don't think death is the answer because we don't hold that. That's for God. Like we don't hold that power. We shouldn't hold that power. And I know, like I said, people kill people all the time and it's wrong, but we, we don't, I don't think that the government has the right to say who lives and who dies. That's just, you know, that's just how, that's just my opinion. Oh yeah. And like, um, what, um, what, what you think people should do to prevent themselves from going missing? Wow. This, that's a great question. Stop oversharing on social media. That's number one. Okay. You got to be careful what you share because there's always someone watching. Always. It's not too hard. I did an experiment for a relative of mine to show them how, you know, you sharing certain things, someone can easily find out your location, you know, just by you taking a picture in your home. People can figure out the layout of your home and then map that to, you know, to a location. It's it's very (laughs) in-depth, but... You know, you really have to be careful what you show and what you share, your locations and, you know, you're at this restaurant or whatever, who you're with and things like that. You you have to be mindful of that. Another thing would be always know who you're dealing with. So analyze people. Don't be so quick to invite people in. You know, know who you're dealing with. Know this person. Understand them, you know, understand how they react to certain situations. You you have to be careful. And that's for, you know, relationships or even just regular friendships or whatever the case. You you have to know who you're dealing with. Um, another thing I would say is always let someone trustworthy know where you're going and who you're with. It's okay. Like tell them where you're going. If you don't feel comfortable telling that person where you're going, then maybe you don't need to be there. And it doesn't Look, have to be, <laughs> yeah. Because I be seeing online, I got classmates be like, um, they be. I know they talk to their homegirls, but they'll make a post mm. like, "Girl, you know my location on. Don't ask me why I'm there. Just know that you got my." <laughs> yes, and and I'm like, just tell someone that you can trust. It doesn't have to be a parent. It can be you know a, another relative or a very close friend that you tr- seriously trust. Um, even with sharing your location on your phone, that's not enough because someone can take your phone, toss it somewhere, and that's the last location, but you can be in a completely different state or a different area. 
So sharing the location us through his phone. is not enough. Hmm. I said, because I definitely tracked my son through his through the um, I checked his mm-hmm. the bus app, but then I also checked mm-hmm. his phone because he turns his phone back on when um, he gets out of mm-hmm. class and so get on the bus. So I'm checking the phone okay. and I'm checking the bus. The phone is more accurate than that bus. Yeah, and I even saw black yeah. uh, black women putting their um air tags in their daughter's um hair. Ah, a bun and putting it in the hair. That's a, right, and that's that's a, a great thing to do. And that's a crazy, and crazy that we have to do that because it's so dangerous. It is, it is, but it's just the reality of it. So I've made peace with that. Like this is this is how you have to operate, yep. and even with the times, you know, the times are bad, but there were also times when they were bad back then, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. So we still have to take precaution, you know, just always do what you can. You know, we can't, no one is perfect. We can't think of everything, you know, it's always something else. We, we can't, we, we can't always do it all, but just do, do the best you can. Just, just communicate with people that you trust and, let them know where you're at. And, you know, like I said, just, just be careful and be mindful of what you share. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you think uh mental illness is helping criminals get away with murder? I mean, get away with crimes or is it just the white ones? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's a whole discussion right there, but, um, Yes. And no, because there are a lot of people that are sitting in prison right now with mental illness and, Mm -hmm. you know, they've committed crimes and they're doing their time for it, though they do have, um, you know, a a mental disability. And then there are some that do get off because they've claimed insanity or, you know, they've done tests and they figured it was a mental thing and they should not do time for it. So I'm kind of like on, on a yes or no. That's really all I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it really depends. Like there, there are a lot of, you know, school shootings and things. And they say those people who did that, they have mental illness. They would believe that. Yeah. And, and then the thing that that's mind boggling is that they even walked away to make it to the you know the 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 um to prison that they were even taken away like the other boy um he uh was with i guess he boy man whatever he had the vest on the police were escorting him in the car and he had the vest i can't think of his name or what which shooting this was no i think this was over a year over a year ago but it's just the treatment is so so much different with these mass shooters, mm-hmm. and like I said, that's a whole rabbit hole right there. Um, but yeah, I th- I think it's a yes and no thing. Some people do get off or receive you know less harsh sen- uh, sentences, and then some people are sitting in um, prison right now with mental issues. And I do think you know race does play a part in it. People don't like to say that, you know. Mm-hmm outside of the black community, but let's be honest, America is built on free labor. America is built on it's racism. Free labor. Like, yeah. And, and, and I want to make this clear, 
before Americans were brought, uh, before Black people or, you know, whatever, they were brought to America, we weren't slaves. You, you know what I'm saying? I want people to understand that. Like, we did not, our legacy does not start, you know, as, in slavery. No. But, you know, race plays a part in America. It, it plays a huge part and it makes a difference in a lot of things. And just like you and I both know, that's why we do what we do because of, of, of race. It's a, you know, it's, I call it a disparaging strategy of being Black in America. Oh, and yeah. I did an essay on that, um, you know, with my Dear Ameri- American Culture, uh, Dear American Culture pub, uh, uh, podcast episodes where I covered that, my segment. And yeah, race plays a, a huge part. In, yeah, because if you ask in people in Florida now, if they base it on the textbooks, they're going to say all the black people came over here to learn jobs that would help them sustain a life in America. Yep. It's, Florida's so full of shit. I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Do you think black true crime needs its own category? Yes. Yes, I, I do. And I, I think for all races, his you know, it, it doesn't matter what the race is. Yes, why why not? Because if 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 a race of people are not receiving the ample coverage, then we have to do something. That it's no longer their problem because we shouldn't have to go to white people to say, please talk about this case. No, we do it ourselves. And that's what we're doing now. So mm-hmm. I, I don't see any issue with that, with having a sector for just black true crime. I think this would be the problem though, because I've also reached out to like um, big podcasts and like, Hey man, y'all are a big platform. Y'all should be telling some of these people, Hey, let's section off. See if we can get a black true crime, even if it's just on their app. Mm-hmm. Nobody responds, but like, if you if, if if you go through all these stories, everybody mm-hmm. is profiting off of black true crime. Nobody yeah. black telling true crime is profiting off telling anybody else's crime. They're not because the money is in the black true crime. And if it wasn't, why are so many people telling our stories, bro? I don't tell white white on white crime stories. I don't tell white mysteries. Mm-hmm. I don't do none of that. Everything is gonna be based on black. Yeah, and and, and y'all drag our stories out for a whole hour on a podcast, then backdoor and do a show, then backdoor and also put it on YouTube. You don't got paid three times. Oh yeah, and I've I can <laughs> I know a few um shows that have done that, and one of them are the ones that I actually reached out to a few years ago. The story that I had mentioned mm-hmm. about covering a specific case they never did. No, you know, like I said, no skin off my back, nothing. I've already covered it, but. Um, yeah, I've seen that, especially the cases where that have garnered a lot of attention, like the Daniel Robinson case, he went missing in Arizona and that case, oh, that was very popular. So of course the creators, the white creators, they, you know, publicized it and really, you know, brought on the family and everything because it was a popular case, but these lesser known cases or cases that are unsolved and cold, they're not talking about it. I and feel like what's the benefit of talking about is something that's already popular. Well, yeah, but there, there's a few things cause we do want to spread the word. We do want to get the word out. And plus I feel that, you know, when when I look at some of these show, these podcast shows in the true crime sector, I feel like they didn't do enough or, 
they just missed a few things. So I felt like, I feel like, or I, I would feel like I could do it better to, to dig a little more deeper. So I think that is the pro in discussing a case that has already garnered, you know, media attention. So I don't, I don't think just my personal opinion, I don't think it's anything wrong with that, but if you're going to do it, do it right, do it with indecency in and really don't do it just for ratings. Do it because you, you really want to help the case and, and you can add something to the case. Oh yeah. Instead of just regurgitating the same information that has been recycled. Some of throughout- these people complete wrong news though. I mean, complete mm-hmm. wrong about the case or completely like that case. I told you mm-hmm. earlier about, um, the guy chopping up the girl and burning her up. Yeah. This one white guy, he told that same story. He said the girl was chopped up, putting trash bags, threw in the woods, and set the whole woods on fire. I'm like, bro, where did you get that from? Wow. Yeah, it's yeah certain I mean, things like that. Can, and that's also, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the dark side of podcasting. Because podcasting has the ability to reach national level when it comes to these cases that, like I said, otherwise many people would have never even heard of. But then there's also another side where it can sway viewers one way and 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 make the make it bias and put out incorrect information. And that can really destroy a case because we have to remember some of these cases are being actively worked on. And then if you have misinformation out there or information that you just made up or you just found from someone you know that's not really factual it can it can really mess up the case and we don't want that we want we want things to go as they should we want the answer at least i do you know i want to make sure that i get the best information I communicate it in a way that's digestible, um, not not digestible as in the details of the case because we can't change the we can't change the case details. The case details are what they are, but in a way that a viewer can understand through storytelling, make sure everything is organized and structured. Um, so you know, it, podcast like we have a huge duty and we have a lot of power in our voice, so we do have to. Be careful with that. We have to be mindful of what we're sharing, what we're putting out, and don't convict someone or place blame because we we you know there are some things we just don't have the details for. And like um, not to say like like you'd be limited information. Like mm-hmm. since I do like the opposite of what you do, mm-hmm. I like when a criminal that snitched mm-hmm. gets some suppressed. And you mm-hmm. can't find it, but then you find out they did something later, and then it opens everything up that was suppressed. Oh yeah, yeah. That that really does um, open something up because it just gives you some background, oh, and it yeah. just shows what was concealed, why it was concealed, and just some background on who that person yeah was and, that, and what they've done. It's the same thing again. What what do you think? Like what do you think about? snitches getting getting their time cut for telling for telling like is that fair or should they still have to ride their ride i think they should still have to ride their ride it really well it depends on what the case is 
Um, but I do think they they need to still ride their ride because if they were involved in some way, it really is not benefiting. You know, it kind of benefits. It kind of benefits the part the inmate. It it it, it benefits them. And then it does kind of benefit the family because then now they have some information that they may not have gotten if this person wasn't given, you know, some type of low, you know, some a lesser sentence in exchange mm-hmm. for information. So it, it really depends. It, it depends on the case. It depends on the family or who, you know, who who's ever supporting that uh, victim. And it does you know, support the government essentially because they're finding out and it makes their job a little bit less harder because now they have something solid to go off of and then they can backtrack from that point on. So it, it does work in the favor of the government, the family, and then also the victim. Now, the only thing is, yeah, the family may have gotten some more tips, some more information, but are they going to like that this person is now given a lesser or a lighter sentence in exchange for that information. Families will agree to the plea, but only if it's going to help. Like some will be like, if you're going to help another family get closure to something they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But just flat out giving them a lower sentence. Ain't none of them going for that. So he can't just be helping himself. He got to be helping somebody else too. Right. Right. Because I just don't agree with that. You get in a car, they shoot up a car. Then you say that I was just in the car, but you knew all about the plan and you didn't stop it. You should not get no sweet deal. No, absolutely. And I denounce the gang and say that you didn't really want to be in it and you was just in the car. You can't denounce it now. The, the, the damage is done. Right, right, because you were involved. And you only you only denounced it because you got caught. Caught. Right. I agree to that. Yeah, that's like that. Don't make any sense. That don't make any sense. Mm-mm. And um, okay. Did you um? Okay, did you go to church today, like you said? Yes, I did. Um, church was good. How was your service? Um, I didn't go. You didn't go? Okay, <laughs> you can watch the replay. <laughs> nah, my son got there. Um, retwisted. Oh, uh, okay. So, um, what do you think about Pastor James Bryant? And Dr. Carrie Turner. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't. He is a pastor there and he's um he's a single pastor and he has was out on a date with his co pastor, Carrie Turner. And I had spoke on on um TikTok saying that this is kinda like the problem with churches. This is why they want to marry pastor, because you can have like a consistent woman. And I said, somebody said, I'm just gossiping. And I was like, how's it gossiping? Because this is why the churches want to marry pastor, because if he's single, so can he bring a different woman in there every week, every Sunday since he's dating casual? Or is that going to be a bigger issue? Wow. Um, To answer this question, I would want to have a Bible reference to see what it says in the Bible regarding that. But if this pastor is courting someone, he, you know, he's single and courting someone. Ah, oh, this, this is a tough one. Cause I, I'm trying to think about it as I answer. As long as there's not, 
he has to do it right. Now, is it right if he brings more, like different women? No, it's almost like your children. Like you, if you're dating, you don't want to bring just everyone around your children. You want to make sure before they, and, and some people may be against this, but you want to make sure that it is a solid relationship before inviting that person in to your, you know, your family, your children, or your church. So is that okay? I mean, I, I don't know. That That's the question I don't know. No, I don't think he should be bringing multiple women through there if he's dating. I think that should be kept private because we have to remember that pastors, they are human. I know we discussed this last time, you know, not this particular thing, um, but, you know, we, we did touch on this, but um, pastors are human just like we are. And many people put them on a pedestal, this invisible pedestal. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, if they're single, you know, and unmarried or, and everything and they're dating, you know, they have their private life as long as it's not anything with malice, like anything bad, I should say. Um, I know I'm kind of all over the place with this. Like I'm trying to get my words together. But I don't think it's bad. As long as it's in good taste and, you know, he is serious, I think then that is when he should bring, he should invite that woman in. Because then you're just bringing, it's going to appear that you're bringing multiple women in every, however, every month or whatever, you're bringing someone in different. And that can pass judgment. Hmm. This lady is also his co-pastor. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, if if they're both single, you know, they're both single, I don't see anything wrong with it. And I don't know, I hope I don't eat my words, but I don't see any I don't see anything wrong with it. If it's two, you know, adults and they're not engaging in sex before marriage and um they're consenting. Wow. It's not interfering with the church and and things like that. I don't I don't think it's anything wrong with it. What's, what's your thoughts? <laughs> and I don't know the whole story. This is just me first hearing about it. So I may, you know, I may I have I guess I have to hear the whole scope of things of why this is a question. Like, like I just what? don't think he can be doing it if people are going to. I just don't think I don't think. It, I think if he's casually if he's casually dating because he's single and everybody's saying that he can do this, he's a pastor, he's single. I'm like, I'm saying he can't do it because if that's the case, he can have as many as he wants. But that is the reason why they want the pastors to be married. Oh, that's a because tough gonna- one because I've never belonged to a church where the pastor isn't married. But I know at some point they they dated their you know they at some point they dated their wives prior to marriage. So it has to it has to happen at some point, right? Yeah. So I don't see anything wrong with it. Is you know as long as they're following the Bible and um you know and it's things are it's not messy in the church. I don't see anything wrong with it. Okay. And uh, one one last question: Is there mm-hmm. any true crime podcasters you would like to sit down with? Um, I cannot think of one. I I honestly don't watch 
a lot of true crime shows. Mm. Um, like in terms of other podcasters, uh, like a lot to say, I want to sit down with that person. There's so many great mm. shows out there that I have listened to, but I can't think of someone that I would want to sit down with right off the top. Now, I would say whomever I sit down with, you know, I want them to be able to know how to look deeper at a case, not just yeah. surface level, but go deep. Oh, yeah. And I think that right there would be the like a perfect collaboration to really go deep and we can examine what we've had, what we have, um, and then communicate that. And we can really discuss cases on a much deeper level, not just with recycled information. Oh, but yeah, I can't yeah. think of a spe specific think, um, person um, now. That's what I think is different about the missing, because of course, like you said, y'all have to dig so deep and like with mine is so like final. Right. Yes. Like the answers are, are pretty, sometimes the answers are there because, you know, there, there are unsolved murders, but yeah, murders are very final. And for the most part, sometimes the answers are there. Um, but with miss, the missing, it's, it's, it's a lot of mystery work. Yeah. Yeah. I had, like some of the ones, because I started, like I was doing some cases and at mm -hmm. one point, I, all I kept on finding was dudes trying to kill killing their mistress because they was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I had to like... That's a common thing. Yeah, I had to broaden my heart. I had to like go out further because a lot of them was doing just that. Just, hey, she's mm -hmm. pregnant. She wants to keep it. And they was killing them. Um, yeah, tell listeners fortunate. when the next time you drop an episode and where they can find you at on all your handles. Yes. So I'm actually working on a case right now. This one is, whoo, this one is going to send you on a ride. Yeah, but, um, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not, but, your oh no, 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 I, I'm not, but I am working on that case now. I'm hoping to get it out this week. Okay. Um, so that's, that's my goal. And I do have a website, themissingfound.com and Everything is spelled as it sounds, themissingfound.com. And then we are on Instagram um, at themissingfound. And you can follow our YouTube and subscribe to, you know, to be kept in the loop on our latest cases at the Missing Found Podcast. Uh, where else? Um, if you need to email, if you need to email us for, you know, anything, it's info at themissingfound.com. Um, for case suggestions, we do have a case suggestion form um, in the show notes and description box, whether you're watching on uh, a pot, the podcast platform or on YouTube, the link is there as well as on our website. And I will have all, all I will have all that in the, um, in, the, in my bio for everybody want to go find your stuff and read your articles because they're very good. Thank um, you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to actually drop this story. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to do I'm going to drop Midnight Tuesday. Midnight Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. And I'll have all your link information in there. And um, I'm glad you came on. I'm going to invite you back to the show. I don't know when, but it'll be okay. sooner than later because I've invited everybody else back too. So I'm trying to. Um, I but would I wanna, love that. But when I get like stuff, more stuff to talk about, because next time I mm -hmm. want to talk about the more missing cases. Mm -hmm. and, um, okay that because yeah it's it's um the missing i think the missing is harder because it's more it's more investigative than um what i do it's mine you just gotta find the right information the right police record the right arrest mm -hmm. record 
and and you can wrap yeah. it up. Right it's very intricate with, with the details, um, but I, I it's, it is a huge part of my life. And, um, you know, I, I I don't like that we have to do this because I don't want to hear about someone being missing because, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation all around. But I know that this work has to be done. You know, if, if not, who, if they're not going to do it, if we're not going to do it, then who else will, you know? So that's why I'm here. And, you know, the other um, amazing Black podcasters, you know, that that's why they do what they do too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, look, this one person I want to interview, but mm-hmm. it's a black podcaster, but mm-hmm. he be going back and forth with black cases and white cases. So I'm like, I don't really want to I don't really want to interview him, but I don't know mm-hmm. because he goes back and forth and I want him to stick on one side so I can interview him, but mm-hmm. he just going back and forth and I don't really like that. I would say if you really do want to interview um, that host, I would just say you want to, you know, hear more about the black cases, like specifically cases that are of the black and missing it yeah. to see if he's willing to, you know, just discuss that. Um, you know, if he's not, then, you know, you would have to make that decision on if, you know, if, if you, if you should have him on your platform. Yeah. Is it more, is he, does he have more, like, is it more of one or the other or? It just goes back and forth. Ah, uh, okay. But I yeah, really I think would... more of the other. Okay. I would just say you want to specifically discuss black, you know, black cases. I'm sure that he can say a lot about that, knowing that we don't get a lot of coverage at the coverage that we should. Yeah. So I hope that was helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, I'm glad you came and let me go ahead and wrap this up, y'all. This is King Arthur and you are tell who you are again. I am Jaden Harlow, host and writer of the Missing Found Podcast. Y'all go check out her articles and her podcast. I will have it all in the link below. Thank you, and until next time, peace. Thank you. Peace. Thank you.